Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into odds and ends again in today's episode. What's this? What's this? It's super califragilistic, expialidocious. What is this? A whole new world. What is this? Yes, odds and ends again. I don't. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's this is the second time I've had I've done an episode like this. The first time was. I was very short on time. I hadn't seen a significant movie in quite a, in a, enough days that it mattered, and I really just didn't know what I was going to talk about. And uh, so, so this episode is not a one to one, not not exactly the same thing. It's it's a little less. I don't have anything to talk about. I guess that's not true. Okay, I guess that... I don't know. It's not true. I just... This is a little more informal of an episode. Uh, a little more talking to you as if you're really here kind of a situation. Uh, and just moving through a couple of different ideas that I'm doing and working on. Some stats that I've I've noticed and can speak to without really an umbrella of... A particular type of episode to to shoehorn me into one thing or the other, and then we'll end up with our, our fantasy movie league uh, uh, recap at the end of this. So the first thing I want to talk about is I I've mentioned many many times on this show about uh, the Cinerealist, Jack <laughs> Jack and James Zach and James, and the fact that I'm watching through both of their top three hundred films. Uh, originally, it was just their top 200. A couple of weeks ago, they released uh, their next 100 films in their top 300, and so I've added that. I'd added that to the docket, and I can finally say, uh, as of last night around 10 p.m., I had finished watching all of their top 300 films on both sides, and it's a relief. It, it's it's so refreshing and and a breath of fresh air for that to finally happen it feels like i've only been watching top films of theirs for the last month which is more or less true uh so i'll be glad to finally you know take a break from that watch a couple other things that i've had on my mind for a while and uh see what happens next um as i have also mentioned in the past uh, when I find the time, and I'm hoping to find the time this weekend, uh, I'm going to record an episode that goes through every single film on both of their top 300s and pits them against each other in a matchup format, uh, comparing each film, or in a few cases, trilogy or film and their sequel, uh, against the oppositely ranked film. So, brief preview. Uh, the films ranked 300 on each list. Uh, for Zach is Rope, uh, and for James is Howard the Duck. And I would say something to the effect of uh, give a brief reason why Rope is better than Howard the Duck, and then proclaim that Rope is Rope wins the first point for Zach. So I don't know. I have to I have to work out the details a little better. Uh, before I record it, but that that's kind of going to be the idea, and then I'm going to go through each number and kind of just explain why one movie is better than the other, and we'll see who ends up with more points. Uh, so 300 matchups. That's uh, it. Ultimately, ends up being 613 movies for reasons, but that's a ton of movies to talk about in a single episode. Even though I'm not really going into a lot of detail, I'm not analyzing or reviewing any of them. And that's not even including the other statistics that go along with an effort this sizable in magnitude. You know, the average film ratings for both sides, you know, 
because it's a matchup, you know, who wins the most times in a row, who has the greatest victory, uh, who, you know, has the best film, worst film, etc., etc., etc. So there's a lot of stuff and details going on in this, and I'm really excited to record an episode about it. I, I'm looking forward to it, as daunting and challenging as it might be. I'm already, I, I, I feel it's it's pretty much confirmed that this will be the longest episode I ever do. Uh, going backward or forward, it's just there's just so much that I have to talk about that even if I don't. Even if I don't even explain why one film beats the other, I still think this episode hits three hours, and I am going to explain that. So, man, it's there's a lot to cover. But on the other hand, what I'm really interested in, and why I think this episode is going to be interesting when I get to it, is your is these films have absolutely nothing to do with each other, and so comparing them against each other, even as slightly as I intend to be comparing them is unusual and, you know, a situation that you would never find yourself in. Like, who in their right mind is comparing the Alfred Hitchcock's Alfred Hitchcock's rope to Howard the Duck? That's like, I mean, I mean, they're not the same genre. They weren't released in the same time period. Uh, they're, they're completely different, you know, sensibilities and tones and intentions. Uh, and, and, and yet... Here we, and yet, you know, here I am. I gotta explain what makes Rope better than Howard the Duck. And some of these comparisons are gonna be pretty easy. Uh, Rope and Howard the Duck, I think, will be. But there are a lot of really close matchups. And I, I, what I hope, what I believe to be difficult comparisons that I'm gonna have to make. You know, I don't, it's easy for me to say that I like you know, high noon better than the tree of life, but it's a lot more difficult to explain why that is. And I think it'll be just as interesting for me as it will be to, to just discover those things as it will be for you as a listener to hear me figure that out and work that out as I move through these films. So that is on the docket. I'm in, I'm hoping to get that episode out on Monday, but um, that's all permitting that I have enough time to to record for this. Speaking of top 300 lists, however, uh, what, I, what I've done is I had originally had a separate page on my full film spreadsheet uh, that was devoted to the James versus Zach top 300 list. However, uh, in my current efforts to try and uh, streamline my film spreadsheet it so that it doesn't eat up all of the uh, processing power of my computer I removed that page and made it its own spreadsheet and when I did that I thought well why don't I just try to do that I mean I mean it's as, as, as interesting as it is putting one person's 300 list against another why not try to do that with more than two people and so uh, uh, previous, uh, previously mentioned uh, listener of the show, Moran, who I have continued to correspond with at various points of time. I mentioned, uh, I believe, la- at last the last time it was mentioned, I think, was at the uh, when I had updated my formulas, and you know, I I talked to him about that. You know, he is far just as I think, mm, give or take, uh, as statistically minded in terms of the films he watches as I am. Uh, he rates all of his films out of a hundred. You know, it it it. No, it's it's an similar enough that he also could provide me with a top three hundred films, and I could provide myself with a top three hundred films. So I have four top three hundred films. Uh, unfortunately, you can't really compare my top four hundred top three hundred against somebody else's because how could mine possibly lose? So what was ta- done? Uh, I, I only have added Moran's to this spreadsheet. So what ends up happening is there is still the page that's devoted just to James versus Zach. I added a page that makes that has James versus Moran. There's another page with Moran versus Zach. There is another page that has Moran versus Zach versus James. So it takes all three of their top 300s, 
compares them all against each other and sees who comes out on top. Now, at the moment, while I have seen every film on Zack and James' top 300s, I am woefully short uh, for Moran, who I've, I'm missing like 106 films right now. Uh, so, at some point, uh, I and probably at first it'll be a sprinkling throughout, uh, as I'm sure a lot of those hundred and some films will be satisfied in other criteria. But ultimately, I will be focusing on watching these movies and, and rounding out all of his top 300 as I can. But um, for what for now, I, I'm interested and, and kind of fascinated in seeing the differences between two pers- two people's top 300 lists or top whatever list, you know, whether that's 10, 50, 100, 250, etc. And going through and comparing one against the other uh, in a ver- variety of different methods. So one of the statistics I can look at is between Moran, Zach James, and myself for this statistic, how many films are on three out of those four lists. So, for example, what I mean by that is uh, how many films are on Moran, Zach, and my own list, but not James? So how many films does James kind of miss out on or miss the boat on? And at the moment, that number is 14. So that's a pretty that's pretty small. Uh, Zach's is a little bit smaller at 10, uh, and, and Moran's is at 21. Uh, so he is the highest one at the moment. And I can quickly kind of look at my own number here. And my own number is 12. So I come in a little right between Zach and James. Moran's a little bit higher than the rest of us. But all in all, pretty small numbers. Uh, And, you know, that is generally going to happen. You know, no one's going to have... Like, I don't think it would be ever be possible... That I, I, I mean, not without hundreds of na- of people being compared against each other to ever have someone who isn't excluded in something. You know, it's, you're never going to match up with everyone else on a film. So I find that interesting. On the other hand, on the other side of that exact sort of same statistic is how many films are only on one person's list. So, again, in this case, uh, James has 165 films that are completely unique to his list. Zach has 171, Moran has 182, and I believe I have... Hold on, I have to look here. I believe I have 170... 168, so I have 168, which puts me, again, halfway between James and Zach... Uh, Moran, again, a little bit of an outlier. But that's also, you know, it kind of shows how much more in line are you with the greater general public. Uh, In this case, James tends to be a tiny bit more in line with everyone else than, say, Moran is. You know, he is a little bit further removed from the consensus as of the moment. But, you know, as I mentioned, like, there's over 100 films of his I haven't even seen. So each one of those that I rate incredibly highly and that perhaps moves into my own top 300 will adjust these numbers uh, one way or the other. Likewise, um, what I've... So, so, so I I mean, this is completely... I, I don't even know. Like, it, part of this is completely irrelevant you know like I don't know how much this data is going to ultimately affect anything Um, part of it is simply finding me new ways to watch a movie for one reason or another part of it is just a whole new avenue of statistics to dive into and uh, part of and then the last part of it is me figuring out you know who's movie tastes do I line up with the most? That was what the initial reason I did James versus Zach for. I wanted to see, you know, because the listening to that, ep, that sh- their show, I frequently found myself aligning as far as movie review tastes uh, with James. And um, if you look at, especially at some of their, like, their top 10 films, while the matchup ratio is 
fairly even. There are, you would have to get down to, uh, let me see if I can find this quickly enough. The first film on James' list, starting at his number one film, moving downward, that I rated below 50, so that I actually didn't like, is his 63rd ranked film, Gremlins. Uh, so that's a pretty decent ways down. On the other hand, you only have to go down to film number six to find a film on Zach's list that's rated below 50, and that's Contact. Um, so, and then you can do it again at number 13 with The Postman, and again at number 17 with Home Alone and its sequel, which average out to be a 49 for me. Uh, so, at first, the statistics bore out that I was more of a James person than a Zach person, and prior to the introduction of their number, their films between 201 and 300, James won. Like, like James won the matchup pretty handily. Uh, however, adding another 100 films, and also shuffling around some of the top 200 uh, between the two of them, changed some of that. Changed a lot of that, really, and made things a lot closer and kind of up in the air all said. So what I'm going to do, and what I would like to do, is add more people to this list. Now, I've continuously mentioned top 300 films. If you're so inclined and you want to submit, contribute in any way, it doesn't have to be that many films. I, I would never, I think the average person can't do that, and maybe hasn't even seen enough films to do that. But if you want to submit a top 10, 50, 100, or however high you're willing to go, you know, I would love to have that list. I would love to incorporate it into this spreadsheet and fill in the gaps I haven't seen. You know, there's a reason it's a top film from this person, that person, you, or me. And it's whether or not I end up liking the movie, it's, it's interesting to see that film from the perspective of this is someone's favorite movie you know one of their favorite films of all time and I, I just i just find that fascinating i find that really interesting and you know going through the top 300 films from james and zach i feel like i get them a lot more than i did going in and i thought i got them pretty well at the beginning of this but even still like there were still a lot of things that i learned that i've discovered about their film tastes, about my own film tastes, and that's, you know, worthy enough in its own right as to why to do this. And then there are so many other more other reasons that I enjoy it. So, if you have a top X films and you feel the urge to share that with me and by proxy more than just me, um, send that to circleoffilm at gmail.com because I would love to see it and watch the movies on it that I haven't seen. So, yeah, just a, just a request. Just a request. Just a request. Moving on from this, uh, I want to get into a little bit of a statistics thing next, and that has to do with the year 2017. Three, three major things. Uh, in the past couple of days, I have surpassed the 200 mark in terms of 2017 released films. Uh, 2017 is now squarely at, um, num at the seventh most watched year on my spreadsheet. Uh, it just overtook 2010. 2017 has two, 215 films. Uh, above it is 2011 with 228, 2015 has 235 films, 2012 has 245 films, 2016, last year, I watched 269 films so far, 2014 is at 290, and 2013 is at 317 films, so only one year I've reached 300. And that's a lot of movies. Uh, I still have a month and a half of the year to go, and then, you know, most of the January films are actually 2017 films from this year that are just getting wide releases in January, so uh, 
there's a good two and a half months probably of 2017 films for me to see and all in all this has been a very different year than past years so this is the first year uh since 19 oh boy since 1943 where the average film rating of the films i've seen is a below 50. so the current average film rating is 48.63 every year going back to 1943 is above a 50. and a lot of those years are you know they've less than 20 films in them so the the ability to drop that low is much higher and yet they're all in the high 50s 60s a couple even hit 70. 1957 the average film rating is a 70.33 so that's a pretty substantial thing uh i you know there's a lot of bad movies this year and to kind of correlate with that uh if you look at the last from 2008 to 2016 um, there are between 9 and 15 films from each of those years that are currently in my top 300 films of all time. So, and then if you add them up, between 2008 and 2016, there are over 105, there are over 100 films, approximately 105 films, that are in my top 300. That's a 9-year span that represents more than a third of my top 300. Which, on the one hand, I'm upset by because everything's so grouped together. But, on the other hand, I've seen so many films from those years. It kind of makes sense. Until you get to 2017, I've seen over 200 films from this year. Currently, four of them make my top 300. A big drop-off point. Now, as I mentioned, there's still a lot of time left to see some new 2017 films. Uh, in particular, you know, Three Billboards, Lady Bird, Shape of Water, uh, The Post, Phantom Thread, you know, all these films that are very highly regarded, Call Me By Your Name, and are, you know, top films for a lot of other people, and I haven't seen them yet. So, I expect that number to go up. I think that this year is going to end up in, like, the six or seven range, as far as my top 300 goes, but, uh, well, that remains to be seen. Nevertheless, it's definitely, and I, I, I was going over this earlier yesterday, it seems like I have become a more jaded film rater. Uh, whereas in years past, there are a very high percentage of films that receive positive ratings from me. It has now become a lot closer to 50-50 and maybe even skewing negative. And that mostly, I think, has to do with simply trying to adjust my midpoint. So I think in the past, I was putting, I was kind of subconsciously or consciously saying that if a film was below a 60, I didn't like it. And if it was above a 60, I did like it. And that's kind of true, you know, anything at 60 or above is a film I like, but the truth of the matter is anything below a 50, I don't like. And so you've got these weird, this weird range of films that are rated between 50 and 59, where I don't like them, but I don't dislike them, and as obvious, you know, as, as much as you would think that, you know, rating films should end up looking like a bell curve, it doesn't for me. Uh, it actually ends up more looking like a skyline, and the ratings are fairly evenly distributed. If you look at Letterboxd and my star ratings there, you can see that, you know, for the most part, the lo- the levels are fairly even. And uh, I think, you know, right now, the highest number of films rated is three stars, um, very very closely by three and a half stars, and then right after that it's four stars, then it's two and a half, then it's half a star. And the one star, one and a half star, two star, and four and a half star ratings are very, fairly similar. 
And then, of course, five stars, there's only six films. So, you know, for me, I kind of view this as like, well, you should have roughly the same amount of amazing films as bad films, as average films, as just good films, as awful films. I think that makes more sense because if you watch 10 films, odds are you're going to love one of them, you're going to really like one, you're going to like one, you're going to think one of them's fine, you're not going to like one, you're not going to like two of them, you're not going to, you're going to really hate the third one, and the last one's going to be like the worst thing you've ever seen, and to that effect. So, I think that it makes sense, it, to me, it makes sense that that's, a, that's fairly even, and widely, uh, uh, equally distributed. So, I am far more supportive of the current distribution of film ratings for 2017 than I am for, say, 2012, which uh, is the only year after 1994 that has an average film rating above 60. The average film rating of 2012 is 61.6. 15 films from that year are in my top 30, or top 300. It's a lot. It's a ton. Uh, and I've been trying to course correct that as much as I can. So, next, uh, on top of that, um, while I've seen 215 films released in 2017, I have seen far more films in this year total. And that number is currently at 1,029. Yes, just recently I have broken over the 1,000 mark on this year. This is still my second most watched uh I don't know, second, the year with the second highest number of films seen. Last year, 2016, I watched 1,076 films. Uh, this year, I am 47 films behind that, so that's less than one a day going forward. Or, no, it's about one a day going forward. And I think I'm f easily going to uh, exceed this number. Uh, maybe even get up to 1,200, which would end up being you know 100 a month. That is kind of the benchmark I've always wanted to hit every year, and I'm only really being able to hit it this year because I quit my job in August. So that seems like I won't hit it very often, but I will definitely do my best to hit it this year. As always, uh, this is definitely supplemented with short films. Um, so I've currently seen... Uh, over 5,200 movies, just recently hit 5,200, and 881 of those qualify for the genre short film. Uh, my criteria for that is 40 minutes or less, or under 40 minutes, so, I mean, that's, you know, we could round up and say that that's, that's probably about 17% of films that I've seen are short films, and... I don't think that's an issue for me. Like, I think short films have just as much merit as feature-length films. Um, there are seven short films in my top 300 movies. There are, you know, short films that win Circle of Film Awards, nominated for Circle of Film Awards. Like, look at last year. You had, um, I think there was just one. Last year only had Piper, which was, I nominated for special effects. Um, in 2015... Uh, there's a little bit more of a presence in the Circle of Film Awards, which I haven't released those yet, so you don't know it, but they're there. Uh, so this year, I have seen 28 short films from 2017, which is actually pretty low. Uh, the last, every year from 2011, has hit at least 40, almost, uh, with 2013 hitting 50, being the highest number of short films I've seen. 28 is fairly low. Uh, this, of course, does not include any of the Oscar-nominated short films, which I'm not sure I know what they are yet. So uh, I may have seen a couple of them already, but I don't know that I have fully. And so uh, that is an easy way to kind of supplement getting enough film seen, um, working or not working. And so that's why in the last couple of days I've probably seen 30 different movies, uh, 20 to 30 movies. And you couldn't really do that if they were all two hours long, because you have to sleep sometime, presumably. But I like short films, and I like the different sort of format that they take. 
So I, I enjoy that. And then lastly, regarding 2017, is uh, 2017 has recently become the front, the foremost authority in sci-fi. Uh, uh, so on this list, I can tell how many of each genre of film I've seen released in each year. Just a short while ago, 2013 was the had the most sci-fi films of any year, but between Thor and um, let me see if I can figure out what else hit this number between Thor and uh, I watched a, a handful of uh, short films that were prologues to Alien Covenant. Um, but I think that's the biggest reason why things changed. Uh, 2017 now has the most sci-fi films that I've seen in it at 34. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. And, you know, looking at 2017 films, you know, you've got War for the Planet of the Apes, um, Blade Runner, uh, Thor, Thor's Fantasy for me, um, And that's, I don't know, just looking down. Cream is a short animated film. It's sci-fi. Uh, I think Homecoming, Spider-Man Homecoming, sci-fi. Uh, so it doesn't seem like there's a lot. I mean, there's only 34, and I've seen over 200 films in 2017, so, you know, give or take. But there's a lot of sci-fi films this year. Which is good. I like sci-fi. I think it deserves more of a presence, and uh, it's far no you know it's far from being the most frequent genre from this year. Uh, that's still dramas at eighty-seven, comedies at seventy-nine, thrillers at fifty. So you know, still is a far ways to go to become the most frequent genre of anything. But it has improved upon its presence, and that is something I appreciate and I'm happy about. So. Sci-fi films. Another thing, just wanted to mention. Let me see here. What else do I have to talk about? Um, we're knocking through the things. Uh, next up, I want to talk about my own top 300. So, uh, I, I've kept track on Letterboxd. I've had a top 100 list by the numbers. Uh, I recently expanded that to top 250 and now to 300 to match James and Zach. Um, and in doing so... I've there there were a lot of films that hit this um, that became part of this number part of this uh, list that I th was able to look at and be like I don't think that they deserve to be there uh, for one reason or another you know I I look at a film and I say and like really that's in my top three hundred because you know I hadn't really thought about it in that context before and doing so. I really felt like, wow, I'm, I misrated this. I, I, it's too high. It needs to go lower. And so what I've been working on, as time permits, is adjusting the score of films down. I think that there are... I've seen a ton of great movies. And as of right now, uh, any film rated 93 or above makes my top 300 guaranteed. And the majority of films rated 92 are also in my top 300. And I'm discovering that there are a lot of 92, 93, 94 rated films that should not be in my top 300. And so I am doing what I can at the moment to change those ratings. That has a widespread effect on Letterboxd, depending on how much they shift, on the directors, writers, and actors involved in them as well. Uh, and that's that's a pretty big thing. Like, that's not nothing. Uh, so, for example, uh, one of those films is Love is Strange, which is great. I think Love is Strange is really good, uh, starring John Lithgow, Alfred Molina, as, a, uh, as two men who spent 40 years living together and in love with each other, and finally deciding to get married so many years after... Uh, being together and it's just a really sweet movie with drama with comedy and I think it's great 
but I don't think it's 92 amazing. Uh, so I haven't adjusted it yet, but at some point I'm gonna go look at it again and say, well, does it deserve a 92? Is it better as a 91? Is it better as an 89? You know, these are small changes, but they have a great effect on a lot of things. And there's a number of films that I'm, I'm going, hopefully going to be able to do this with going forward. And so if you look at my top 300 list on Letterboxd right now, it is definitely subject to change. There are at least a dozen films on that list that I think are going to fall off in the next week or so. And I'm glad. I, I'm really glad that that's finally going to happen. And I think it deserves to happen. Uh, and, and should happen. And I think that anyone's top movie list is that sort of a living document. It is never going to be finished until you're dead, uh, as morbid as that is. You're going to constantly find new movies that are going to adjust and, and change the way you look at movies, the way you look at a top list, the way you look at what your favorite movie is. You know, and and maybe you, you're definitely going to have periods of time where you're going to think, okay, it's been five years, I haven't seen anything that really compares to my top ten movies, I think I'm good. And then something incredible is going to come out. You're going to get dropped a film that just absolutely breaks your idea of movies. And every so often that happens, and I think... You know, I'm 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 looking forward to the next time that happens. It hasn't happened to me for a couple of years now, and I really want it to. I love those moments, and so right now I'm working while I'm kind of in that downswing. I'm working on refining what my favorite movies of all time actually are, and so I'm in the process of doing that. That's another thing. I I wanted to bring that up mostly. Uh, to explain, if you if you are someone who is on Letterboxd and you do see you know ratings changing on some of my movies, this is why that is, uh, and also just for the simple fact that you know I I may have mentioned that such and such movies in my top 100, and then I may say that no longer they are, and like that's kind of without explaining it a second time, like that's what is happening. That's where that's going. And this is going to lead me into a much bigger point, and kind of what this episode was getting at the whole time, and that is, I watch a lot of movies, you know, I'm above 5,200 movies at the moment, uh, and I'm 26 years old, so if I spread my movies out evenly across every year I've been born, I have seen 200 movies a year of my life, which I think is a number that is higher than the average person, you know, if you, I think, and what I mean by that is, I think that's higher than the average person once they get to an age where they're actively choosing what movies they watch, so if you ignore your first five, seven, eight years of life, and just however, you know, depending on who you are, whatever point you are when you first start to say, oh, I want to see this movie, oh, I want to see this movie, and you could cogently examine and understand why that was, you probably don't watch 200 movies a year. Because you're doing so many other things. You know, people have other interests. And for me, this really is my interest. And what's interesting is... Now, I, I can only remember back, the oldest uh, year I've seen a movie from during at the moment on my spreadsheet is 1996. I am sure that there are films I have seen that aren't on my spreadsheet that would have, I you know, I would have seen when I was one, two, three years old. I can't remember. I have no idea. You know, maybe the number is a lot higher than it should be. But on the other hand, there are plenty of films on here that I've seen uh, and don't quite, and, and then I've seen later on, so uh, plenty of films that I probably did see when I was a kid, and have now later seen, um, 
what, what am I what am I looking for? Uh, have later seen, and so that kind of overwrote the year in which I last saw them because I don't track the first year I saw them because I generally don't remember. So that being said, for someone like me who has seen, you know, between 20 and 30 films in the last three days since I recorded the last episode of this podcast, for me not to be able to talk about a movie and review it, for me not to have a statistics episode at the ready at all times, feels odd. Because why shouldn't I? Why couldn't I have that? I, I don't understand. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You know, I've seen, you know, just looking, you know, I've seen plenty of short films. Um, I've seen, uh, you know, The Sin of Madeleine Claudette, uh, the 1931 film where Helen Hayes won an Oscar for Best Actress. Kill List, Thief, Troll 2, uh, films on James's Top 300, you know, I went into the movies, and I saw Jigsaw, I went to the movies, I saw Thor Ragnarok for a second time, um, film, you know, Wonderstruck, uh, Time After Time, or Ordet, Leclis, Score, a film music documentary, uh, let me see here, um, The Wild Bunch, Hostel, which was added to the spreadsheet, uh, having, you know, I saw it back in the mid-aughts, and it was never on the spreadsheet until now. I watched Saw 6 and saw the final chapter in preparation for Jigsaw. Uh, you know, Cobain, Montage of Heck, Life Force. I've seen all these movies since the last episode of my podcast, I think. That's, and yet I'm not talking about any of them. Part of that is because since they're included in James and Zach's top 300s, they're going to get talked about it that in that episode. So I say, well, so I've told myself, well, I'm not going to talk about those. Part of that is, well, I've already done an, a review and statistics episode on Thor, so I don't need to talk about that. And then it's like, well, none of these films really work as statistics films. And so that leaves me with review episodes. And I don't really want to talk about Jigsaw because it was not good. And I don't have much to say about it. I don't really want to talk about the other Saw movies. Because they're even worse than Jigsaw. I don't have much to say about, you know, like, score a film music documentary. Or the first Troll, which isn't on James's list. But, like, it's absolutely, the like, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And that doesn't leave a lot of things. You know, the Cinema Madeline Claudette, Best Actress winner... You know, if you read my Letterboxd review, like, that's pretty much all I wanted to say about that movie, and I have other plans to include that in a different episode at the later point. So, I ultimately end up with watching all these movies that have particular purposes in mind, and therefore, I don't talk about them in a general review or general statistics capacity. And it... it sort of becomes difficult for me to figure out where to discuss some of these things and how to cultivate and craft an episode when I don't have that obvious and straightforward thing to discuss, you know. Obviously, you've got Justice League coming out this weekend. Um, I'm finally going to be able to see Lady Bird this weekend. You know, those are films that I've easily, you know, review episodes, statistics episodes out the wazoo, and that's great and I'm really looking forward to that and make my life a little bit easier but outside of you know when you have a week like this where not much came out and you know I did a statistics episode for Murder on the Orient Express I don't know what else to do about it uh I did that didn't I I think so see I, I can't remember but it, it's not I don't know it, it's it's real shitty that you know see all these movies 10 movies a day, hundreds of movies a month, and I don't have anything to talk about three times a week. And that's generally not the case. Like, more often than not, I have more than enough things to talk about three times a week. But every once in a while, I hit this period where I am kind of like, I'm up, in, up at night the night before, and I'm thinking, what the fuck am I going to talk about for tomorrow's episode? I don't know. And that's when you get an episode like this, where it's just like a mishmash of various things that I have a little bit to say about each of them and kind of trying to figure out what I want to talk about at the end of the day. So, 
I don't know. That's what I'm getting at. And I'm going to leave it at that and move on to Fantasy Movie League. We sink into our seats right as they dimmed out all the lights. A technicolor world made out of music and machine. I mean, how hard can that be? We just finished week 11 in the Fantasy Movie League for the Cine Realists uh, League. Uh, whatever. Um, and not too much was, uh, changed this week. We had uh, Film Obsessed 35 win the week, uh, playing three screens of Daddy's Home 2, one screen of Bad Mom's Christmas, two jigsaws, a Geostorm, and a Victorian Abdul. That was not the perfect Cineplex, though. Uh, I think it was the first six screens, and then instead of Geostorm and Victorian Abdul, you'd have to play two Blade Runners. So nobody in the league hit perfect Cineplex. Uh, only about 120 people did in the site, so... We weren't the only ones who missed it. Uh, and only four people really were capable of hitting Daddy's Home, too, in our league. And I barely include the Iron Drew because he kind of hedged it with Murder on the Orient Express. Everyone at the top uh, heading into this week went with um, Bad Moms. Uh, it looked like it was going to be the best performer. And as great a value as it ended up being, it could not uh, contend with all the people that went to see Daddy's Home too. I don't understand it, but that's how it went. So, all all said, uh, Film Obsessed 35, as well as Yo JRB, both came in with $115 million this week. Cinemania was in third with 114. Iron Drew was at 108. Then you've got the leader, Kill Music, and myself, Plexi, who were tied at fifth with $104 million. Rybone, our current number two, only 100. And uh, Rahman, uh, also with 100, is tied with Rybone. Shaubin came in at ninth with a lower $100 million. And the box officer, narrowly missing nine digits with $99.7 million. Uh, so. Like I said, there wasn't a ton of movement. Kill Music is still first. Rybone's still second. Plexi's still third. Perks Plex is fourth. Uh, Film Obsessed moved up to fifth. Rahman and Director's Cut fill out sixth and seventh. Shawman did move up a spot to eighth. Xanadu fell to ninth. And the box officer rounds out the top ten. Other than that, Film Obsessed, with his three best performers, uh, did move into the lead that for the season and with 20 best performers right now, uh, passing Plexi, who is stuck on 19. Uh, Kill Music has 13 best performers and still has not yet won a week, despite being in the lead in the league. There are two weeks remaining, and... Uh, one small statistic, uh, if you've looked at the chatter, you will notice that that I mentioned this already, but the only season where the leader in Week 11 was not the leader at the end of the season uh, has been Fall 2016. Uh, that's a year ago, the last time we had a fall se full a full fall season in the league. Um, at the time, Swagner was leading, uh, but eventual winner Plexi was approximately 884 to approximately 30 million dollars behind, and ultimately pulled out a win. That season. Currently, there are only two people at less than $30 million behind Kill Music, Rybon and Plexi. Uh, they are the only three people that have broken $900 million on the season, and I would say that given the track record of Kill Music, Rybon and Plexi, at this point, it seems very unlikely that someone outside of those three is going to be able to make a big enough move in two weeks to overtake the lead. Now, that's not necessarily going to be the case. You know, if you look at a week like week eight, um, where Plexi gained over $20 million on the rest of the leaders, um, that was the Geostorm, first Geostorm week. Uh, if week 12 or week 13 is like that, we could see a little bit more movement, maybe reaching down to Perksplex and Film Obsessed, uh, who are nipping at the buds of $900 million. So... Not completely out of the running, but seems likely at this point. Moving on to week 12, we are dealing with another split, uh, the third time this season. This one for Justice League, split up between Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 
at $636, $434, and $334, uh, respectively. We also are introduced to Wonder at $140, The Star at $120, Ladybird first its first time on the ballot at 30 FML bucks, and at the very bottom, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri at $8. Uh, Ladybird and three billboards are getting a lot of talk in the chatter, but they are very theater count dependent. Uh, Wonder and the Star both hitting that middle range where you can play them quite a lot of times, but the question was going to be, is the buzz there for them? And then, of course, Justice League uh, probably not being considered a best performance frontrunner, but certainly an anchor position uh, if some of the lower films end up hitting. And current consensus feels like Saturday's the best value, but um, these are DC movies. They're always very, very front-loaded. And we don't quite yet have reviews out for Justice League. So a lot of people are kind of hedging their bets on Friday as well. So this all kind of remains to be seen as the rest of the week plays out. It's only Wednesday morning. We don't have theater counts. We don't have Thursday preview numbers. There's a lot of information up in the air. So we have two weeks to go. Uh, Things are getting closer and closer to the end. And... It seems like the separation is kind of beginning to form uh, at the top of our league, and we'll see what kind of a narrative can be created when we get to the final week and who is really in the running that week. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, Again, I apologize for the lack of focus and and, um, um, uh, other things. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, or answers, you can send those to circleoffilm at gmail.com. If you would like to check out more episodes of the show, the spreadsheet, myself, and other things like that, head over to circleoffilm.com. And if you would ever like to support the show in any way, shape, or form, check out patreon.com slash circleoffilm. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be to say goodnight. I know she'll never Even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.